0: Hi, folks, this is Moggs, checking in with you and welcoming you to another episode of Moggs Musings. I've had it. I've decided to quit my job today and go buy a Maserati. I don't care for the schedule and the requirements of my work, and as for the Maserati, it's something I've always wanted to have. But Something in the back of my mind whispered the caution that this might be a little bit impulsive. So I decided, contrary to my first inclinations, to think a bit about making these decisions wisely, that is, ones that usually end up with beneficial results. It is said that the two most common types of decisions that one is confronted with are those of acquisition or acquiring something, as in my buying a Maserati, and those of compliance or adapting to internal or external expectations or directives, as in my frustration and wanting to quit my job. In my case, that would mean my desires are to acquire a Maserati. My desire to avoid compliance With my job because of my unreasonable employer, is to quit this job. Unfortunately, I discovered that some experts on decision making caution that all too often one finds themselves responding to either of these situations purely from an emotional framework, with sometimes disappointing and confounding consequences so I guess I may as well, at least briefly anyway, consider what might be a reasonable way of making good decisions. One of the fellows who made some sense to me was a person by the name of Robert Audie, who wrote a book in 1993 entitled Actions, Intentions, and Reason. In his book, he described a sequence of considerations to hopefully arrive at good and satisfying results of at least major decisions. So now, quitting my job today and buying my Maserati were on hold briefly, at least until I could process this information a bit. But before examining each of the individual components of decision-making described by Audie, I found it important to understand and remind myself that these specific stages of decision-making are not usually intentionally experienced in a rigid specific order or series or even in every instance of decision-making. Even though the components of action theory are rationally connected by means of a logical sequence of considerations – There is also a coexisting parallel process taking place, like the running up and down a series of notes in a musical scale, extending into the next aspect of consideration, then returning to reconsider a previous one, back and forth until some form of resolution is acquired. One stage of decision-making does not necessarily need to be completed, before approaching further considerations. Robert Audie places one's initial considerations within the issue of need. Intuitively, one understands that needs may be either actual or imagined. Sometimes what we consider a specific need really is actually a camouflaged desire. Can I ask myself, do I want a Maserati because I need transportation around town, or is it a desire for status and attention? There is certainly a legitimate place for desire in the process of reliable decision making, but it is to be responsibly considered to ensure that its presence does not undermine a beneficial result by means of excessive emotional preoccupation or distraction. If one wants to purchase something, and they realize that it is by means of desire, and they have the financial capacity to do so, and it is ethically responsible to do so, then that can certainly be a legitimate reason to purchase that article. But one must understand what they're doing so. In my situation, I want a Maserati. My need as a means of transportation. My desire is the emotional attachment to acquiring a Maserati, and this brings into play a third component of decision-making entitled motivation. Motivation can be twofold. One's internal beliefs and convictions, for example, Maseratis are the coolest made cars in the world, or one's external motivations, which are shaped by one's past experiences and social expectations. For example, people think I'm a really cool dude if I drive a Maserati. In the context of making decisions involving compliance or adapting to internal or external expectations or directives, one might consider my difficult work environment. One's needs may be that of a less stressful work environment for health reasons. One's desires may be that of a more gratifying and fulfilling job. And one's motivations may be the conviction that one's efforts should be meaningful and beneficial with the spirit of cooperation with others. Following one's needs, desires, and motivations is a fourth component entitled Intentions. Intentions are comprised of one's ideas of how one is to acquire or access the result of one's decisions. In the case of me buying a Maserati, I would be choosing to do so over the options of borrowing or leasing one or hoping that I will be gifted one by a rich uncle. In the case of a person dealing with unreasonable work expectations, it might involve considering a job change or geographic location change or a change in relationships. Next is the issue of volition or an assessment of the commitment to act upon one's needs and desires, motivations, and intentions. It determines the difference between one's pipe dreams and the actuality of pursuing a specific course of action. Am I making this decision on a whim? Or am I fully committed to experience the work and sacrifice to make the decision beneficial? By having a realistic understanding of his or her commitment to actuate a need or desire, one can proceed with confidence and hopefully avoid disappointing results. How committed am I to have a Maserati? Perhaps at the expense of other needs or desires? How committed am I to find a more acceptable work environment? Perhaps at the expense of temporary unemployment or at the risk of efforts of retooling? A companion to the concept of volition is that of agency. In the context of decision-making, it conveys the capacity to take action the ability for an individual or group to act on their own behalf. Its roots stem from the Latin word agere, which means to do or to act. Implicitly, this means one has the capacity on their own for acting upon a desire or need. Do I possess the intellectual and emotional maturity to take independent action upon my needs and desires. The seventh component of beneficial decision-making described by Professor Audie is that of an evaluation of the reasons for action, which involves an assessment of one's rational and emotional stimuli. Here is a time to pause, look honestly at my needs, desires, motivations, intentions, volition, and agency to seek to understand the role of the rational and emotional reasons for me wanting to buy a Maserati or to find a different work environment. Are my emotions and desires driving my decision? Are they based on a rational understanding of my circumstances and motivations? Most of the time, one discovers it is a bit of both. If for no other reason, this is really an essential and integral part of understanding and self-perception required before going any further with making any final commitments or decisions resulting in long-term consequences. This requires some serious forethought. The means of an action involves an assessment of the mechanisms to be utilized in accomplishing an action, or its probability of success. How am I going to get this done? How am I going to pay for my Maserati? Do I have the funds saved up? If not, am I willing to go into any debt? What am I willing to sacrifice in other areas to do so? How will this affect other people? my family, my loved ones? If I change my current work environment, do I have the financial means to transition to a different and perhaps lower-paying job? Am I eligible for unemployment? Am I willing to work a part-time job? Can I afford my current rent? Finalized action is the bringing about of some final state of affairs. It's getting it done, pulling the trigger. And this involves some courage, recognizing that there may be moments of regret to follow. It's almost a given that one will have second thoughts or doubts. But rather than dwell on them, it can be helpful to learn from them, committing oneself to not dwell upon the past and look positively to the future. And realistically to the future, I might add. To summarize, so where have we been? This process of making good decisions, described by Robert Audie, can be boiled down to these basic principles. Number one, need can be actual or imagined needs. What is it that I actually need? Number two is desire, is the emotion of acquisition. It's the I want. Number three, motivation. There are internal motivations consisting of beliefs and convictions, and there are external motivations consisting of past events and experiences, socially derived expectations, and customs, traditions. The question is, Why make this decision? Number four, intentions, is the idea of how to actualize desires. What are my specific plans? Number five, volition, the commitment of the will to act. How strong is my commitment? Number six, agency, the capacity to act uh, upon a need or a desire. Agency is a concept that includes the ability for an individual or a group to act on their own behalf. Do I possess the personal resources to accomplish this goal, one might ask. Number seven, reasons for action. The assessments of logical and rational and emotional stimuli. Let's take a look at the big picture is a good question. Number eight means of an action, the assessment of the mechanisms to be utilized in accomplishing an action, its probability of success. One might ask, how do I accomplish this goal? And finally, is finalized action, bringing about some state of affairs. The bottom line is, time to do it or not. Robert Aldi may not have it all right, but he offers some considerations for us to possibly use from time to time to improve our chances at arriving at decisions that are most beneficial to ourselves and to others. This process of decision-making is not to painstakingly go through each stage with prolonged consideration, nor to seek out richly followed recipes for success. Rather, it serves only as a template An outline or sketch that one might use occasionally, especially for major or pivotal decisions. The answers to those considerations will vary from one person to another and from one circumstance to another. They are not the considerations we use for every simple decision, but can be used perhaps in some of the more major decisions, which can result in the most important consequences to ourselves and to those with whom we love. Most of the time, we make decisions automatically in the blink of an eye, which is okay, but there may be pivotal times, like before I suddenly commit to buying a $100,000 Maserati or quitting my job, when taking a bit more time to reflect may not only be helpful, but wise. Now that I think about it, for now, I think I'll start a job search and hold off on buying the Maserati. That's it for today, folks. I hope this helps you make wise and beneficial decisions in your life. If you need any transcripts of the recording, you can find it on my website, reasonandreflection.org. Godspeed, Moggs.